Welcome to the Human Conversation Podcast with Jules White, the real dragon slayer, author and entrepreneur sales coach. Tune in weekly for human conversation about business and sales. Enjoy business expert interviews, educational episodes, and virtual cuppers with entrepreneur business owners. So grab yourself a cuppa and enjoy. Here is your host, Jules White. So welcome everybody to The Human Conversation. What a great name for a podcast, The Human Conversation. I got an amazing guest with me today. I love this guy. Um, and I met him, what, I reckon 2018 I probably met this guy. He is called Toby Moore and he's the founder of The Content Club. Uh, so welcome, Toby, to my oh, podcast. Thank you. I feel honoured to be here. Oh, stop it. <laughs> it's, it's really nice to have you on here. We have had this, we've, we've created a, a fabulous relationship across the last couple of years, getting to know each other. We're going to talk about the things that we have done together, um, but also the things that we, I think, are very aligned about because I think you know, that's important for the listeners to, to hear about. But let's, let's start at the very beginning, you know, like I always like to do in these conversations. And, and I do have, um, Toby said to me before we started recording, you know, Jules, do you have a kind of um, process and you know, a structure to, to your podcast? I said, no, it's called The Human Conversation. <laughs> but actually, um, I do tend to start with a question, which is kind of this one. Um, what did you want to do when you left school? Oh, wow. I wanted to be a spy. Um, <laughs> there's no doubt in my mind that I wanted to be a spy throughout all my schooling years. It's perfect, isn't it? Okay, tell me more. Why did you want to be a spy? Well, I was a sucker for the, uh, the, 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 the alpha male imagery of James Bond and all of the wonderful things that he got to do um, and, and, and so on. And also, I think, I think it stems back to... I think my, my, when my father used to, to put me down to bed at night when I was much, much, much younger, he would always tell me these amazing stories of, um, I used to have this Lego Island uh, poster or like billboard size poster in my bedroom and he used to make up these amazing stories and it later transpired that the stories weren't made up at all, they were just plots from James Bond movies. Oh, I love that. <laughs> and he would so just create funny. these sort of characters around them from the Lego poster. I suppose if you were to really dig down into it, it's all about kind of, um, uh, trying to unpick a story and try and work out what's going on with things. And that's very much transpired into my career and so on. As again, when I was a child, I used to do all these sort of invention books and documenting all these sort of ideas for things that I could make, probably, probably inspired by the Q branch of James Bond, no, no <laughs> doubt. But, um, so obviously I've gone down that avenue instead. But then actually, if I look at content creation and the way that we develop people into content makers and so on, which is very much kind of like how my work has transpired. It's all very much about that kind of, you know, coming up with crazy ideas and just yeah. working out what's the, what's, what's, the, what's the shortest distance we can run to bringing this crazy idea to life. Yeah, um, and I, I think there's a, a really wonderful freedom around that, is there not, where we can just kind of let ourselves go with ideas and... and... I believe so. I'm very much um, of, of the thought process that um, your work is about bringing your best ideas to life, you know, and... and, and uh, your ability to create balance between uh, creativity and exploring those ideas and the practical doing side of things and then also trying to work out how that balances with 
with things like actual work and finance and family and all these sorts of things. Like yeah. that's the real magic to to living and working a life of your dreams, you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, totally. I totally agree. But it's interesting when you look back at where you've come from and things that you've done, because um, as I seem to remember, and you're going to tell me that whether I'm right or wrong, did you sort of work in that kind of corporate space before you started your own Massively business? so. Yeah, I had a, a very dry IT job. Um, for some time and um, and was tirelessly finding things on the side to do so I was running my own networking event that had absolutely nothing to do with IT whatsoever I was running I was writing for industry publications and stuff which was somehow related to my work but it was something that the people inside my team and organization didn't know really was going on at all and I was just sort of experimenting with different ways of, of, of applying creativity to otherwise a boring job and yeah. and doing that then got me into sort of events and so on so I ended up working for a, for a uh, running one of um, one of the largest conferences in the UK to do with technology and IT and stuff and which sounds fun um, and then from that then got then got pinched and went off to work for Capita for a while doing um, uh, what was what was a, again a boring IT job just up as something a little bit more sexy and exciting. Um, but it was that job that pushed me over the edge and was just like, I can't do this anymore. Um, can't hang out with these people anymore. No disrespect to those listening. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I'm interested in that because this is what my podcast is about. I want to really, I want the listeners to be able to hear what our journeys have been like, really, if I'm honest. Yes, it's called the human conversation, but ultimately that conversation is about, look, where did it start? What happened yeah. in the middle and where are you now? You know, it's yeah. a story. It's a story. Yeah. So you say that was the bit that kind of pushed you over the edge. Tell us a bit more about what happened. Oh, do you know, it was just one of those... Um... Uh, it was a startup, you know what I mean? But it was a startup that was making 53 million in its first year. And <laughs> As so you, you do. Know, so you know there's got to be something behind the scenes that's uh, a, a little, a little uh, you know, a little bit of um, smoke and mirrors going on there. And it was essentially a collaboration between uh, Capita, who is, you know, this FTSE 100 managed outsourced management company thing, and then the government. Mm. Um, and we were, we were basically monetizing training materials. Um, okay. And, um, you know, and that, that, you know, learning and particularly in the technology space and so on is something that excites me. And, you know, and there was lots of nice things I could, you know, I, my last business trip before I, I left was a week in Las Vegas. You know what I mean? I was doing like, I, I think I, I did about a day and a half's work and spent the rest of my time on the uh, synthetic beach at the Mandalay Bay Hotel. <laughs> <laughs> I remember turning up to a meeting with these big panda eyes sort of sunglasses marks and they're like, so what have you been doing with your time, Toby? Have you been, you know, <laughs> I, like, I love ah, it. Busted. Um, but, you know, so it was, but it was very much that, you know, and I was going up to London every day on the train. So I lived down in, in, in Brighton. Um, and I was going up most days on the train and that was um, actually actually that's where I started my business was on the train that was my office for the first six months so I don't know if it was just this company or whatever or just you know these sorts of size companies in the UK or in London but I always got this sense of uh, particularly when I was working for the events company and a lot of my clients I was based in Brighton but a lot of my clients were big software companies based up in London and, and whenever I went to visit and whenever I went to go and, and particularly then when I went to move onto this company, I always got this inherent sense that everybody wanted to look and feel like they had their shit together. And I found it really, really difficult to get on with because I was just some sort of 
you know, in their eyes, some bohemian floppy haired chap from Brighton that didn't really understand what getting a new kitchen this, this month meant, you know, and, 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 and all of these discussions that were going on and all of these ways that people showed up to work just for me, stank of trying too hard. Um, and I found that such a difficult place to be in. And there's one story, I love this. We had quite a, um, quite a big graduate scheme that went on. There are big graduate hires company and we had at least sort of half a dozen uh, people on the graduate scheme in our office. I was managing one of them, but this other guy, I mean, he said something along the lines to me of like, so there was a quite a strict dress code in this office and uh, which obviously I paid great attention to. As and, you would. Uh, yeah. And he came up to me once and he was like, Toby, why, why, why are you wearing trainers in the office? And, <laughs> <laughs> and he's only probably about 22, 23, this guy. And, um, um, and, and I'd usually just sort of like make some throwaway comment like, oh, I just wanted to wear something comfy today or whatever. And I, but in that moment, I just turned around. I was like, I called him Michael. I was like, Michael, you, you I, sometimes I just, just, just want to remind people that they can't tell me what to do. And, <laughs> and, and, and then he sort of like, with the gasp, like, oh, and I'll never forget what he said next. He went, oh, but Toby, what if you want to be told what to do? <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then and I was just like, I'm sorry if that's if that's what you need, I can't help you. I have no yeah, words, you know? yeah. And anyway, but it's just it's just one story of of many many things that would happen on a day to day basis that just made me feel so like um like I didn't belong in those environments, you know. And you would turn yeah. up to meetings and you'd just like throw a couple of ideas down on the table and people would just lose their shit and they're like, wow, that's the most amazing thing. And then you'd be like, well, no, that's just a thing that. That, that we come up with when we're in this creative mood, you know, yeah. oh, great. And then like, so how do we make it happen? I was like, well, I'll probably do this and do that. Oh, you could never do those things. We could never approach it that way. Mm. And then you think, okay, well then you can't have that, that nice idea, that, that bit of gold I just threw down on the table. You can't have the rest of it. Like yeah. it's, it's, off, it's out of limits. And they're like, no, but and like, no, you've just put policies in place and you've put governance in place and you've put risk management in place and so on that stops you from having the nice thing. Sorry, you've made yeah. your decision. <laughs> yeah. And it, you know, it's so interesting, isn't it? I, my experience of working in that corporate space, uh, more so in the last few years before I started my own business again, was just this whole attitude of, we've always done it like this mm. and it's that confused look well but we've always done it like this you know mm -hmm. um, how could we do it any other way um, and and actually that's far too high risk because we know that this works you know yeah. and it was that closed mindset you know the kind of fixed mindset stuff that I really started to struggle with yeah. and I would be sad and and Listen, I have to tell you, and people know this about me if they listen to my podcast, I am not a feminist, okay? I have to say this, I'm not. I don't actually like the way we are going a little bit too far the other way. It's just my opinion. I'm an equalist, if you want to call me anything. I like the fact that there are men in the world, but I also like the fact that there are really brilliant women in the world, but I don't think we should get silly about it. I just needed to sort of say that bit, really. You don't want, you don't want to hand out... No, absolutely not, Toby. No, I want to get a job or be accepted because of who I am, you know, mm -hmm. as Jules White, not because of my sex, gender or whatever. But hey, that's kind of just probably another human conversation for us to have. But this particular time in corporate for me was very much about men not seeing me in a boardroom. So mm -hmm. I, I wanted to preempt me saying that by, by just making it really clear it, 
it's not a so thing this, for this, me. This isn't a rant. <laughs> this isn't a rant. But I experienced this these board meetings where these guys just talked over my head. Mm. And then one day I stood up between them and I said, if you want to talk about this as if I'm not here, I'll just leave. Uh, it's, uh, my mum tells this great story of um, when she was, cause she was in the, I think in the 60s or 70s, she was working in London in advertising. And, you know, she'd made, she'd, she'd made good for herself in the organisation that she was in and was doing really well. Um, and the company was owned by an American, another by an American company, and the company was visiting, and these were much more senior people, the American people coming over. And they were going into this meeting, and then the, uh, the, the, the UK, the London-based boss of whatever, turned to my mum and was like, oh, um, can you go and get tea and coffee for everyone? And so off she sort of went, you know, and did her little tea and coffee thing and, you know, and came back. And, um, and then the American manager then stepped in and was like, never do that again. Like your job is not to make tea and coffee. Like you're in a role that is, you know, here to make important decisions about this. And if you're out of the room making tea and coffee, then you can't be contributing to the conversation that you're supposed to be having. How lovely. And I think that was a real turning point. She talks about it as a turning point in her career of understanding like what different, what different management styles and what different working cultures and so on can do for that sort of dynamic. I think yeah. It's great. It is great. It is really great. Um, we could talk about a lot of stuff around that subject, no doubt for a long time. Yes. Sorry. Um, <laughs> no, 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 don't apologize. That's, that's what this is all about. Um, so I kind of, I recall meeting you for the first time at an event in July in 2018 which was um, Helen Packham's um, event mm. in Brighton. Yeah. And I was a speaker. And I remember you standing up at the end and saying that you loved my talk because it connected with you. Okay. Um, so I was very humbled by the fact you mentioned me because out of all the speakers there, I wasn't sort of thinking that, you know, I was going to be the memorable one for you. But you mentioned that was the case. And you spoke that day for us and told us a little bit about your story of being on the train, working for Capita <laughs> and ending it all in terms of working for Capita. Um, I just wanted if you can tell us a little bit more about that, because that's, that's, there was a reason why we connected hugely from, from that moment. Do you remember? Well, a big thing that um, uh, they say that you don't necessarily remember what you hear, you remember how you felt, right? And the big feeling that I've, um, uh, that I took away from that was like there was this, this sort of sense of resilience that you and I shared um, and this idea of um, uh, I think what we coined in a later conversation is comebback ability bounce and back ability <laughs> bounce back ability bounce back ability yeah, yeah. bounce back ability yeah, yeah. And, um, and one of the things that I've you know my my journey into running my own business and, and starting things and turning things around and failing and being has been uh, underpinned by my ability to do that you know what I mean and 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 I don't think I've ever stopped wanting to be better at that yeah. because it really does define uh, what happens to you next and and I think um what you and I share in that respect is uh experiences in both our personal life and our work life that have driven that you know we've both lost lost our lost our dads you know and that and that moment that, that moment of doing that and that journey of sort of coming back from that has been hugely, um, uh, you know, it's had such significant impact on what I've done 
Mm. You know, I, I wish every day that I could have my dad back. But at the same yeah. time, like if he was still around, I might be doing a boring IT job still, you know? <laughs> yeah, on that train. You might still very, be on that he train. Was, he was very encouraging of me taking the safe road when it came to my career, you know? So. Yeah, yeah, because you mentioned that and I remember. A big connection for us is, is losing our dads. Um, and that's not to talk about a morbid thing, but it is, as you mm. say, it's about how we were then influenced having been through that terrible experience. Yes, you're right, of course we'd have our dads back. But actually I think everything you've done, and I, and I see everything you've done and everything I've done has almost been because my dad's still by my side. So look, we've now got off that train Okay, so at this point, did you start a business? Is, was that where you left Capita? Did you then well, start Well, I, I kind of always wanted to, and actually all the way dating back to um, uh, when I was doing my own, when I was working for the, IT, for the IT department in the company I was working for here in Brighton, I'd always had this sort of itching idea to create something. And I actually had a word, the, the, which was the name of the company I first started, which was Yappa. And I, I everything that I did, sort of like I built, you know, these ideas for apps or websites or whatever, and it would always be called Yapper, and it's like my project name, as it were. Um, and and I I used to run this. Um, I was actually only I was reflecting on it just yesterday, actually, because I haven't thought about it in a long time. But whilst I was doing that, I was organising a networking event called Create Brighton, which was something that I had um, uh, been gifted, if you like, by my friend Jonathan, who was running Create. Canterbury I think and he'd sort of created this 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 evening where you would bring just interesting people together and they would do 10 minute talks about you know whatever uh, about interesting careers that they've had and so on so we launched the similar one in Brighton and John helped me do it and that very much took a sort of a, uh, a theme if you like of, of what we call workplace culture and social innovation and the whole okay. idea of this was to you know I was I had this um, privileged view where I was seeing um, innovative things being done inside businesses in order to make people sort of feel more uh, aligned to their roles and enjoy their work more. And then I was also seeing things being done in the community. <laughs> I was also then seeing all these exciting things going on in not just charity, but things like interesting projects um, that, were, that were doing, taking quite innovative approaches to solving problems on the ground in the community. Mm. And that was through this other network I was a part of called... Um, uh, city camp and you know so I think the first one we did was we had three or four talks and one was uh, some guy that was running uh, an agency but it was like completely democratic the way that they managed things so like open book accounting and you know and, and staff would vote on where the bonuses went this year and all this sort of thing and then and another guy that was running this maker club where they would like um, build robots and then and then you know robot costumes and then people would battle with them and stuff and it was just like how can we make this one conversation. So how do we bring together um, just innovative things that have been done in the community, in the workplace, and see if these two people can learn things from each other. Yeah. So I was doing this, and I was doing probably one event every two months or something like that, and, and, um, and I was just loving it, do you know what I mean? I really got embedded in Brighton startup culture and Brighton social impact and all that sort of thing, all the different charities and CICs that were that were popping up all over the place because it was a real hotbed for that sort of stuff at that time. And it still is, but in a slightly different way. And it just got me obsessed with wanting to start my own business. I was kind of like, I was surrounding myself with the sorts of people that I wanted to, to be working alongside, you know, in three or four years time. Um, but my career was also really consuming me. Like I was doing very well. And, 
um, and getting and getting promoted into something new and exciting each year. And I've since learned that that's just a way of people trying to not, you know, to avoid. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, I'm just going to get bored and leave if they don't give yeah. me a new job title in six months' time. You know. Um, <laughs> Um, <laughs> you were probably good at what you did Toby you know yeah yeah <laughs> yeah I, I think I got I think I got um I did become unmanageable in the end I, <laughs> I, I have to admit like every now and again I see like a, an interesting job on a jobs board or something and I'm like I want to do that and then I, <laughs> and I might like send an application in or something and then like 24 hours later I'm like what are you doing like there's no way that anyone would ever want to hire you like you are <laughs> you are a menace like <laughs> it's so funny you've kind of got this shiny object syndrome going on you do know that Toby <laughs> yeah yeah totally I'm always kind of like excited by you know and I, and I want to I think it's just because I I can't I find it really difficult when I see something that I believe deserves to happen or or deserves to be done I try and find every resource I can uh, to make it happen. Yeah, and I love that about you. That, that's a really beautiful quality. You do know that. It, it's, it's, also, really it's also what will kill me in the end. Yeah, yeah, okay. it is, totally. <laughs> I agree. It's probably what will kill me too. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's also very entrepreneurial. It's kind of the nature of the beast. When you're a true entrepreneur, it is always about looking for that next innovation and how you can help people. Mm. I, th I think we truly do come from a place of giving a lot of us. Mm. Um, but the clever ones then make lots of money doing it. And, and you know, that's, that's how I see it. But, yeah, let me, let me know how they do that. Yeah, yeah. well, I, I might in a couple of years when I have Toby, but yeah, but I, no, I'm joking. Um, but it's really interesting, isn't it? You know, when... You can't suppress these things when you are like this. You, you are taken to different places and different opportunities because I've seen it with my journey as well. So, so I want to talk about two other things sort of in connection with where we're at with you. So obviously you're doing these events, you're getting really interested in the Brighton business and entrepreneurial space and what's mm. happening there. So what comes next? Does it, uh, the content club come from that? Yeah, well, I mean, that's a that was a, a sort of long and a meandering journey in some respects, full of happy accidents. Uh, but, but, <laughs> but, but 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 content came next for sure because what happened is that I ended up doing some pretty what I thought at the time pretty cool stuff in terms of the way that you would manage IT teams and um, internally people just thought we were getting on with our jobs. But what I was privy to outside of our of our work. Um, was that no one else in the industry was really doing things the way that we were doing it. So I started writing about it, just documenting my own blog around kind of the ideas that I was trying out with how we manage technical people. Uh, and then that got picked up by magazines and events and things and then ended up going off and doing little sort of, you know, sort of talks and things at, at events and conferences and being asked to contribute to, um, I got a column in an industry magazine for a while as well. Um, and so, so, and that's where I started learning to write. And my dad always joked about this because I couldn't write for, for, for a penny at school, do you know what I mean? And then he was like, oh, isn't it funny that you're now getting paid to write? And <laughs> I, like, yeah. I mean, if you saw how long I had to go, through, you know, I'm, I'm quite, as you know, I'm quite a sort of like wordy, flamboyant, in the, in the best moments, an articulate person. And I love, I love saying stuff, you know, and I, love, I do love writing and I do love, the idea of trying to work out what's the most exciting and educational way of conveying ideas and so on. But my typing skills are atrocious. <laughs> and 
and I, they're, they're like just, and I, I've, I've typed so quickly as well. And I just, my pages are full of mistakes, you know, and most of my fee paying work, you know, has been for the last three or four years is writing for other people, you know, create, you know, doing that content creation on behalf of others. And, um, and the, the, the proofreading process is twice as long as the writing process. <laughs> so I know that's not what we're talking about. But no, but it's, it's, just... in, it's interesting. It's still, this is still part of who you are, Toby. You know, my <laughs> whole podcast is about digging deep into the person I'm speaking to. And, and yeah. it's lovely how these things come out. It <laughs> right. evolves, doesn't it, I into suppose. a conversation. It's great. So. It's great. So you're, you're creating content in a different way to how you're seeing yeah. it. And that, and that got me attracted into that. And then, and then I got picked up by an events company that, that were organizing this IT conference. And the really exciting bit that came from that is that I started a small content agency from within that company. And that's when I learned to sell services, that, you know, marketing services and content services. I, I created my own little startup within that business. Um, it's quite funny. One of the people that works for that company um, is now trying to do the same thing because that idea left the business with me. You know what I mean? And and now they're seeing the opportunity to do yeah. it, you know, sort of two or three years. Well, gosh, more than that, four or five years off. And I, I knew I'd learned to do this thing. You know, I, I know that I can I can sell content to people now. Like I know... Uh, particularly if they see they see the benefit that it can have to their business, but they lack the that that initial ideation and energy the energy at the ideation stage in order to make yeah. things happen. Yeah, and that's where the real things have really started to unlock for me when I when I double down on that area of things. So then when I go and start this boring job up in London, within six months I realise that it's really not for me. But I've got this two something two and a half hours on a train every day and this black book of contacts from my last job and I also know that the company that I was working at hadn't pursued this content agency idea I reached out to the first few first few clients that that I thought would be appropriate and and to my surprise they all said yes um and I was spending that first particularly going up on the train coming down on the train was harder but going up on the train in the morning I'd just get my laptop out and I would start writing and writing and writing and it's stuff that I'd written a hundred times before for previous roles and stuff like I knew exactly what I was doing so it was just then creating this branded content for people and I was able to to replace my salary within about six months just going up and down on the train um, and everything that's happened since has been a complete disaster but, uh... <laughs> that's not true that's not true. And the thing is as well, it's, it's now about evolution. And, and, and the thing is, anything that's a disaster, you learn from, and it helps us to the next part of the journey. You know, you know this stuff. You yeah, don't need yeah. to tell you that. No, 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 no. I'm just being dramatic yeah, and wanting sympathy, so it's fine. <laughs> well, you're not going to get it from me, so. <laughs> Damn, sorry, I'm off. See you later. <laughs> so, so the content club then, tell yeah. us well, Content Club was a really beautiful, happy accident, really, because um, so I started this agency and then I brought my friend Alex on board um, and he was heading up the more like digital development side of things, like building all the websites and we were doing a few apps and things for people as well. And then I was creating all the content that would fulfill those, those platforms, basically. Um, and we built within the first year like a really successful agency by my standards. But we had this ambition of building our own application and so on. And we, we managed to find an investor for that. And and started focusing on that and it was um it became quite sort of inward looking and we were you know we were we weren't spending a lot of time like outside of the office or with anyone and we weren't really doing any client work anymore and stuff and, and it was becoming a bit kind of like i don't know a bit lonely place and obviously you know i've told you a little bit about me getting started in brighton 
And Alex's journey has been quite similar. Like he's been really involved with some really key businesses in Brighton. Um, and, uh, and we were like, we need to get back in touch with our community. We need to be giving back, you know, educating generously is one of our company values. Um, so, so we started Content Club as a way of bringing people in. Um, and you know we know we know all these things so let's let's start teaching and that was very much a kind of like I knew how successful the Create Brighton project had been how do we recreate that um, under under this umbrella yeah. so we started content club and it was just one event a month and we just picked a topic like blogging email marketing something like that we put the invite out on meetup and you know before we knew it we were getting 20 30 people coming to our office um, and then eventually like the other side of the business just started to wilter and like the relationship with the investor broke down and the concept behind the product didn't necessarily fit our needs anymore and all this sort of stuff and and Alex and I made the decision to walk away from that side of the business and just focus on content club and what has since transpired is that actually for Alex like content club doesn't meet his needs anymore either so I've sort of been left alone with it in many respects so it's been great sort of developing all these interesting learning products and being able to focus on creating more events that are more tailored to, to, to the sorts of people that I want to be working with and developing. And some of the stuff that I've showed you around how we work with bigger brands and so on is starting to take off. And, 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 and it feels really great because now I can dedicate every day of my work to, to, to helping develop people and sharing learning and so on. Which is, which is what you love doing. You know? I think so, and, yeah. And I've yeah. discovered that accidentally, I guess. But like yes. I said, Content Club is a happy accident because we started it as just something to, as a way of re reattaching ourselves to the community. And it has come from being the thing that supports the success of our business to the business. Yes. And, yeah. and that's lovely. And I really, I oh, really, amazing. I'm actually really proud of what we have now. And like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Totally. And of course, something else happened along the way. Yeah, well, Adam, you became a daddy. I became a daddy, yeah. And obviously that changes absolutely everything. And I think that was a big part of kind of like when Alex and I were sort of weighing things up as well. It's just kind of like, well, how, 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 how on earth can, can, can all of these things run together? I mean, they can, but like, do we want them to? So, yeah. So um, tell, tell me about being a daddy because uh, we it, often talk to women. We often hear what <laughs> women think about being mummies. But what about being a daddy? Well, being awesome a daddy is great. And I'm very lucky in the sense that, um, you know, Elaine, my partner, like both of us, you know, are very similar in us, you know, our approach to work at least. And, um, and, and we've made so much time for, for Emily. Like it's, she's just the most precious most exciting most exuberant little child you know and she's gorgeous as well yeah, I mean she, she I is. have seen she's... pictures of her and I've actually seen her I think on one of your videos in content club <laughs> because you have a Facebook group we'll make sure the links go on this yeah, podcast yeah, yeah. and she was actually guest star guest on well, one of your videos. She was napping videos. downstairs and I thought I can, I can use this as a, as a moment to put that four minute video together. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, no, I was unable to achieve that. So, but that's fine. Like, and I think this is a part of kind of, um, um, you know, the, 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 you know, the, the, uh, you know, all of my work is around sort of teaching people how to build trust through the work that they do. And like, if you can't even just sort of like show up with your with your kids in a video or something I know you know like you have to and 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 uh you know for me being a very present and available parent is kind of like is probably the most important thing so tell us a bit about Elaine uh, what work does Elaine do so Elaine and I actually work together once a week anyway on the hummingbird project so she started uh, a charity uh, well it's not it is now a charity when she started it it wasn't um 
and uh, that was all around delivering aid to Calais, the refugee camps in Calais. So she was sort of overwhelmed by what she was seeing happening on the ground out there and, you know, went out with another charity to volunteer for, for a day or two and came back and was just like, I have to go and do more, you know, because 50 miles from our shores, there's just like the sort of suffering that you would expect to see in war-torn Africa. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so she, within a couple of months, had left university and left work and had crowdfunded the money to just go out there and spend most of the time, most of her time out there. And she was like taking, it. and over the two or three years that she was there, she took out something like 200 volunteers. They, um, you know, they built most of the shelters that were there. And then that eventually sort of specialized, went into specializing in providing uh, spaces for young people in the camp. So there was quite a lot of, um, you know, people between, you know, I think the youngest kids there are sort of like six or seven years old all the way through to their early twenties and so on, but they're alone, you know, they don't have their parents, they don't have any family there. So, so making sure that there's safe spaces for them and make sure that the services and make sure there's medical and all that sort of stuff in place. And, um, and those of which actually, you know, one of the things that we find ourselves talking a lot more at the moment, is about safe passage. So, so you actually have young kids you know around the age of 16 17 in these camps in you know sleeping rough in France and so on but they have a legal right to be in the UK because they have family here and so on and but there's no mechanism in the countries that they're walking through to, to engage with that safe passage. I, th I think it's important we talked about it because it that kind of work is is really wonderful isn't it Toby? Oh, it's, it's changed my life for sure and it's opened my eyes up to a like um how the world really works in many ways, and B, what needs to be done by people in comfortable positions like me in order to start sort of at least pushing the dial in the other direction a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, I, you know, as, as, as liberal and as soft and squishy as I am, like I, before meeting Elaine and getting involved with, with the work that we now do, um, you know, had certain views, do you know what I mean? And there were just preconceptions that I sort of had from the media on immigration and refugee rights and all this sort of stuff. Um, and, you know, and, and realised that I was wrong about most of those things, you know, because yeah. I hadn't have, I don't have any lived experience with those communities and so on. And, so. and I would say that many of us don't have that experience. Why, no. would, why would we? You no, know? we don't. And we why can't be expect, we? and we can't be expected to necessarily no. either. Exactly that. Exactly that. So that then that's why this work is so important. And the yeah. fact that you've seen that you've seen the difference it makes is, is really wonderful. And I'm glad we're talking about that as part of the podcast. So again, we will make sure that the links are in so that people can follow and, and maybe support and, you know, whatever you want us to put in there, we will, Toby. We, we gratefully accept any support. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. Um, now, there is one other thing that we do need to talk about. <laughs> the the, the, the T-shaped God in the sky. Yeah, the no, that's T. not Toby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there's in TEDx. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I can't even tell you the opportunity you gave me when you uh, spoke to me about speaking at TEDx Brighton, okay, um, 2018. And I know it's because you had a, an amazing lady lined up, didn't you, who got very sick. She was, um, wasn't she an explorer somewhere down the Amazon? Was oh it? my gosh, she had been bitten by some animal that was now burrowing under the skin in her neck or something. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, and then, 
<laughs> it's horrible, isn't it? But unfortunately, well, fortunately for me, of course, Toby, but unfortunately she was unable to speak at, at TEDx Brighton, which mm-hmm. is all about um, adventures and journeys from memory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden I get a text from Toby, who I've met probably once at Helen's event. Um, and because of that lovely connection, and I know that's why it was, you just gave me this amazing opportunity and gave me seven days to <laughs> get myself together and stand on, a, on this wonderful stage at the Brighton Dome, which is 1,500 people capacity, isn't it, Toby? Mm, mm, um, 1,600. 1,600. But it's really important that you know um, what opportunities that then opened up for me because it was, was truly amazing. Um, and for, on a personal level, personal development level. So thank you for that opportunity. But nobody really knows why I'm waffling on about this. But tell us what your involvement is in TEDx. So I've been, I've been doing TEDx for eight years now and I didn't even know what it was when I started. In fact, it probably actually wasn't very popular when, when I started. It was a very sort of niche interest um you know so you know we we only had 200 300 people in the room at that time and they were, we had to apply to be in the audience and all this sort of weird oh wow yeah it was all a bit elitist to be honest and um um so i'd never really got engaged with that and i was actually asked to come and organize the exhibition so this is toby and he's going to be in the exhibition I said, oh, hello everybody and then they were like and then it sort of went round and the meeting had got on for another sort of 45 minutes and they're like so we need someone to organize the exhibition and i was like oh i'll do that <laughs> so that was my that was my that was my 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 gateway into tedx and here i am what um eight years later and this will be my fourth year as the as the direct director and curator of the, of the event and we've grown it exponentially yeah we've we can't fit any more people into the brighton dome now the only the only thing to do would be to change venue but um brighton dome is just such a beautiful historic space and we yeah. it broke my heart to leave it to go somewhere drab like like brighton center or something so, <laughs> it's amazing um, it's an amazing venue and yeah. i think i think you know Everybody kind of aspires today to have a TEDx. You know, it's a big thing. People think it's very important. Um, It's been important to me, obviously, but it was kind of one of those things where it was on a vision board, I think, to happen, maybe somewhere in the future, who knows? And, you know, it was a happy accident, Toby. Mm, Shall we just say that was what happened to me? Um, But if someone's listening and they're thinking, oh my God, I want a TEDx, what do I do? Um, And please don't inundate Toby, by the way, with messages. (laughs) Yeah, um, yeah. that's not that's not there's something a, that there's, a, there's a very small window of time in my in my year for those emails and, uh, exactly. unfortunately those are not published dates yeah. <laughs> um, but tell us tell us if you really are aspiring to get a TEDx Toby you know what, what is it all um, about really? I, 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 there's two answers to this and one of the answers is um, is a kind answer and one of the answers is an honest answer um, and um, the, the the kind answer is to um is to get clear on kind of what's the idea uh, behind your talk because lots of people want to get up and tell their stories uh, and they believe that their story is the is the is the product itself but it's not the product is the idea and how it's going to help and change other people's lives yeah um if you're not clear on that because one of the big mistakes that i often see is people obviously see it as something that's quite self-serving as an opportunity mm-hmm. um and you know, and, and if their reason for doing it is to get up and tell their story, then then um, a the next step is to think a little further down the line than that and think about how are you, how is the idea that you have for a change 
in your own life or somebody else's life or in the world actually going to go on and have an impact and that's really as a, as a curator that's what I want to I want to listen to yeah I just don't want I don't want to listen to your story I want to the story is just there as evidence to back up the claim for that change yeah um and and then to start documenting that and to start practicing it in other spaces so that people like me can can uh, in in these curation roles uh, start to, to to find that so trying to take the traditional route of just emailing and sending text messages and linkedin messages and coming and knocking on my front door and all those sorts of things uh, <laughs> usually tend to, to, to tend to tend to tend to put me off rather than than gain my confidence so yeah. the, the, the 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 honest answer which is probably what people want to hear least but it's most important for them to hear is to stop wanting to do that it's about it's just about changing what your expectations are of yourself and actually this is true of any any opportunity you want to pursue in life is to be more honest with yourself about what it is that you're really trying to achieve because um uh wanting to do it is is enough of a reason to put me or or a like-minded curator off wanting to give you the opportunity yeah um, because it's some because because it's immediately demonstrating to the event organizer or whatever um that that you want this opportunity for yourself and not for the audience yeah um so by thinking more clearly around what is it that what, what the audience gets out of it and this is just sort of basic business sense is, is, is if you like as well in the sense of like don't just start a business because you like the idea of doing this start a business because you think that you have something to offer a wider world like if there's no target market for your great idea like it's actually a shit idea yeah, um, so and, and the same applies for doing a great talk like whether it's tedx whether it's the dental conference keynote 2021 or something or whether it's an industry conference that you your line of work is relevant to like you have to think about what is this what am i generously giving to the audience mm. um mm. and and that's what curators want to see they want to an event organized one want to see of any event it's like is this something that you're doing uh, for the audience first and then and then you'll happily accept the 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 the, the due credit as it follows yeah that makes yeah. sense oh totally makes sense and the thing is it's interesting isn't it because yeah i did have it on my vision board um, I mean, I'm not backtracking at all now, That's but right. it's it on my vision board too. Well, yeah, I'm, but... not, I'm not going to give the opportunity <laughs> to myself anytime soon. Do you know yeah. But, but the point is mm. it didn't consume me. And I think sometimes, you know, it, what I'm hearing from you is that some of these guys, it does actually consume them. It's all they want, you know, mm -hmm. and then it becomes something like you say, that it, it shouldn't be in that respect. I think what, um, what I've always thought about when I was speaking was what I was able to inspire the audience with. I've mm. always thought like that. I've always thought like that in my work, creating Live It, Love It, Sell It, the mm. methodology. And actually the biggest buzz I get from doing what I do is knowing it's changed someone else's life or mm. they've had a light bulb moment. Yeah. I don't get it because someone said, oh, George, you're great. It's, yeah. not, it's not about that. Uh, it's lovely if someone says that, but it's, it's not about that. So I totally get it. When you've been through um, a difficult change in your own life, it's very easy to spot people from the outside that are either deeply inside their trauma or they've made their way out of it enough in order to look back and be like, oh, okay, that's what that was and that's how I got out of it. Yeah. Um, and that's a really difficult thing from people to see from the inside. It's very difficult to know whether you're there or whether you're not. It's actually very easy for people on the, looking at you from the outside to see that. Um, and that's what I tend to see when I, when I, when I, when I see that, that, that sort of you know, in, 
definitely in need of a better word desperation yeah. um, um, I, I, it, I can I, it usually comes from a place that someone is still experiencing something and they see sharing as a way of um, helping them move forward mm. and that's what I always very careful of and and what I don't want to do is um, you know because that's actually when you do see an opportunity to to take someone's experience and uh, and pass and you know and, and 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 share that experience with a wider group of people on stage or on video or whatever, that then becomes my responsibility just as much as it is the speakers. And that's also very difficult feedback to give someone. It's just kind of like the reason that you can't have this opportunity is because you are living the trauma as we speak. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's a very difficult and deep thing to approach. Talking more about our experiences, you and me is working on this together um uh that's that's you know that that's a genuine recognition of like yeah being through some shit and can demonstrate resilience and can demonstrate you know you know actually actually creating something positive for others as a result yeah yeah Yeah. and 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 i think that's that's the marker that i'm looking for i'm always looking for something that's like can you take what you've what can you take whether it's a positive experience or a negative experience or whatever can you can you look back at it and go oh man that's how and that's that's the sort of like relationship with the past experience that that people need to have in order to actually make it useful to other people yeah and i think there's a real skill to that that's why you've been doing this so long and i, and I think that's why you create such an amazing event and i'm not just saying that because i was one of your speakers but i actually went last year to tedx brighton having been a speaker which was wonderful to sit in the audience and actually be the audience and it was absolutely wonderful. You go out a different person. It changes yeah. you. TEDx changes you when you're in the audience. Mm. And that means you've picked some great speakers. <laughs> it so. does. Yeah. No, it's a true story. So, um, so I love that we just touched on TEDx. I know we probably talked about it for, for a bit longer than you thought we might. But it's really important, I think, that people understand what TEDx is really all mm. about. I think we have a slightly... Uh, uh, un- a slightly different approach to it in the way that other TEDx chapters might. And I know, you know, from attending TEDx organizers conferences and stuff like that, that like, um, I often being completely candid about it. Like I'd often don't feel like I belong in those, in those circles. Um, I find them quite difficult places to be. And, and I know that, you know, every now and again, we do get in a bit, little bit of trouble for breaking rules and stuff with, because, you know, one of the reasons that all TEDx videos ever look the same is because there are some very strict brand, brand guidelines that license holders such as myself have to adhere to. And, yeah. and some of those things, you know, the audience will never even see you know, in terms of like the way that you organize things, the way that you control finances, the way that, you know, you manage a team and all this sort of stuff. And then some of it's very obvious in terms of like the colors that you use on stage yeah. and the camera angles that you use and so on. Yeah. And, um, and, uh, and it's just kind of like, uh, you know, it is a little bit sort of like corporate London in various, in, in some <laughs> senses. And I have to, if I'm not breaking rules, I don't feel like I'm doing my job properly. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? Um, and, and I, and I, and I, yeah, yeah. And, and, and I also, and I also feel like when I'm in, you know, I, I, I don't think that the, uh, TEDx organizer community is particularly sort of accommodating of that, that behavior. So, 
Um, so I do feel like we've created something quite different. I think that's partly because you're passionate about creating an amazing event as well. Yeah, and I did. I came into TEDx as someone that was interested in events, not someone exactly. that was interested in TEDx, right? Because exactly. I had actually, like I said before, I actually had no idea what it was. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and for the first four years I was doing it, I didn't even watch one talk. I was just sort of fiddling around in the exhibition, sort of making sure the trestle tables were upright. You know what I mean? And, and I was just like, I'm, so, I'm pretty sure there's something going on in there, but I'm sure one day someone will tell me what it is, you know? So with you, it's the answer is yes. What's the question, isn't it? You are definitely <laughs> yeah. that kind of guy. Aren't you? I, I have actually said that 2020 is my year of no. Um, <laughs> the year uh, of no. <laughs> yeah, where I learned to say no. Yeah, too right. I tell you, it does help you when you can say no to some things for sure. Yeah. But listen, what's your uh, parting wise words for us, Toby? Um, I think at the moment I'm going through this process of working out how I strike this balance between um, uh, my ideas and my pursuit of creativity and then my work. Um, and I've recognized that not having that balance uh, as well as, as, as well tuned as I, as I could, I feel like I get paid best for the things that I enjoy least still. So, okay. um, so, so that's my big thing at the moment. And the way that I'm learning to do that is by very much the sort of things that I was talking to at the beginning is getting right back in touch with like what drives that, what drives that enjoyment most. Um, and you know, if you're passionate about something and you're really good at it as well, um, I, I think, um, and, and you're relatively kind and competent in your approach to work that you can make a successful, successful business of that thing. Um, uh, so that's now my fine tuning process is, is, is going through and like working out, okay, what's the balance between work ideas and creativity? Mm. Um, and I like that. Yeah. And visualizing that as well. Yeah. So my parting, my parting words would be to, 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 I challenge you to somehow visualize the balance between your, your work, your ideas and your creativity and seeing and see if, if by doing that exercise, it somehow gets you to a clearer place in terms of actually how you enjoy what you do. Uh, and continue doing it in a sustainable, financially fun way. Amazing. Sustainable and financially fun. There's a thing. There's a community yeah. to be a part of. Hi, yeah. yeah, I'm Toby Moore. I'm the founder of Sustainably Financially Fun. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can sign up now for just two seven nine a month, and you can access all of my online resources to being financially successfully fun i do the acronym changing every time now not being funny but you've got to stop because that's a shiny object that you just created <laughs> right there yeah. so yeah. i'm Say telling no. you now no, no that's your no your 2020 no so, <laughs> so much i knew it'd be fun to talk to you and i knew i'd have so much i wanted to talk about but we only have so much time, but thank you so much for your insight. Oh, well, thank you. For, I'm so, sorry I was so difficult to, to, to organise a date and a time to, to chat. Oh, no, it was fine. Don't worry about anything like that. It's, you know, I always believe podcasts are meant to be recorded when they're recorded. <laughs> okay. Yes, that's, yeah. I, I, if we'd done this last week, we would have talked about completely different things. I exactly, think. and it wouldn't have been half as good. So there you go. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but thank you so much for joining us. And listeners. Oh, thank you. I hope you have thoroughly enjoyed listening to the amazing Toby Moore. Um, if you do want to connect with him, all the links will be in the narrative on this podcast. And the podcast is on SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher and Apple Podcasts. So if you're following us on any of those, we need likes, you need to subscribe so that you don't miss the next episode of The Human Conversation. Thanks for joining us and see you next time. Ta-da for now. Thank you.
You've just been listening to the Human Conversation podcast with Jules White. To find out more about the other work that Jules does, please visit her website, www.liveitloveitsellit.co.uk. And if you enjoyed the podcast, then please do leave a rating and review on the platform you use to enjoy her show. Thanks for listening and see you next time.